We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Today we go behind the headlines. Our choice this week, Paul McKee, his Northside Regeneration Project, the city of St. Louis and the state of Missouri. Lots of connecting threads, and we'll tie them together. Joining me in studio to talk about it, St. Louis radio reporters and editors who have been covering this story, Maria Altman, Rachel Lipman, and a little bit later, Ryan Delaney. Thank you all for being with us. Great to have you. Thanks, Thanks for being for on Maria, let me start with you. Uh, how much trouble is Paul McKee's project in, would you say? I'd say quite a bit of problem. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of problems facing him now. Mm. I think the fact that the city has said uh, we're cutting ties, this redevelopment hasn't has defaulted on our agreement, and too little has happened over a fifteen year period, and and it's time to to move on. Suggests that there's not much. Um, chance that the, there's going to be a reconciliation, I, I don't mm. expect, but mm. I think there is a big chance of litigation. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, would you kind of elaborate on the city's beef with uh, Mr. McKee? I think this is just kind of the city acknowledging what a lot of people have realized all along, is that this project dating back to 2009 in this agreement promised a lot of things to happen. And even though there was a four-year delay or five-year delay as this deal wound its way through the courts and some of the incentives that he was receiving wound its way through the courts. They expected more to be done. Really, all you see out there is they're moving some dirt around for a gas station and a grocery store. He's been talking about an urgent care center for years that hasn't happened, this big housing development, commercial works. They, at one point in time, talked about a recycling center. So this is the city acknowledging um, that stuff just hasn't happened the way it should. And they outline sort of eight specific areas in which he is considered in default, most of which is he hasn't done the demolition work he's promised. He hasn't done the rehab work he's promised. He hasn't done any really of the development that he's promised. And that he's also uh, misused some of the incentives that the state created for him. So this is the city saying, we believe that you are in. He also hasn't paid his taxes, which we kind of knew was happening um, all along. And this is, again, the city's way of saying, like Maria pointed out, we want to cut ties with you. What has his reaction been to the city? Uh, They're full of it, essentially. (laughs) Um, He is accusing the city, uh, turning around and accusing the city of standing in his way. He says he was instrumental in bringing the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency to the north side, which, if you look at it objectively speaking, he was. Maria, I know, has covered this more extensively, so I'm sure she'll jump in and correct if I'm wrong. No, I think, I mean, he's he's made that argument all along that he was very, very instrumental in, in winning that contract, in essence, because he owned a, a big chunk of the property within this, what is now going to be the NGA site, mm-hmm. and that he um, he was the one that 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 issued the RFP or or responded to the RFP. So, um, and I think and Mayor former Mayor Slay agreed that yeah mm-hmm. he was instrumental. Uh, well. Agreed? Yes. I mean, again, objectively speaking, he was the one from whom they had to buy all of the properties to put that site together. Um, He, you know, 
has claimed, and I think, do we know that he did specifically respond to the request for proposal from I've a big... I've never seen it. In, right, I, I haven't right. actually he says seen that, that he, document. Um, responded to a request from a government agency to locate there. And this is because the city was originally eyeing the Pruitt-Igo site at Cass and Jefferson. And it wasn't big enough to have the security perimeter they needed. So they looked uh, just north of that Pruitt-Igo site, and most of the land there was McKee-owned. What about the state's beef, Maria? Yeah, that that goes back to 2007 with the uh, Distressed Areas Land Assemblage Tax Credit, which Mm. was very controversial back in 2007. Essentially, it was a law written for Paul McKee. Uh, He was the only developer in the state at the time. I I believe there was one other developer in Kansas City who was also able to get some of those tax credits. But um, he was able to get $43 million in tax credits, and they went toward paying half the cost of his purchases of property and towards maintenance costs and interest payments. Um, the, the problem has been that some of those properties, uh, he never finalized the sale. And that came out as part of a lawsuit against a, a property owner within the city who said he wasn't paid enough for his property when the NGA you know, through the eminent domain proceedings as they were trying, the city was trying to get the property for the NGA. Right. Uh, he doesn't have a great record, obviously, Rachel. A lot of people not in North, not in North yeah. St. Louis. No, he came in uh, based on his reputation out in Winghaven, which is where the Mastercard Global Headquarters is, and it's a planned community out at um, I think it was originally Highway K and sixty four. It's now Winghaven Boulevard right. out in O'Fallon, yeah. out in O'Fallon, Missouri. That was the reputation, and Otis Williams, the head of the St. Louis Development Corporation, has said that was a sterling record out there. But developing out in what was a Monsanto research farm is a heck of a lot different than developing in an area mm. with basically no resources, where there isn't clear land to do a a huge project. That was part of why he wanted the distressed area land assemblage credit, because he had big visions that needed big plots of land, which meant he had to get them all together. And it's not just one property owner up in the north side of St. Louis. And he, again, had this huge vision. He pulled it off in Winghaven, but I don't think was ever able to adjust to the reality of trying urban to develop and of urban redevelopment. And what had always struck me from the beginning, when this started first trickling out in 2008, 2009, was he didn't have anyone backing him. His financial backers were the Bank of Washington, which is a you know legitimate financial institution, but it's small. It doesn't have the capital of a Bank of America or a Wells Fargo or a Chase. And then he had a small bank out in Pittsfield, Illinois, called Corn Belt that went under during the Great Recession. So it always struck me as odd that a bank wouldn't want their name on a massive redevelopment project on the north side to say, we are financing development in these areas and trying to improve the north side. And that was telling that he couldn't get a bank on board because they probably looked at the financials and went, don't think there's any way to make this work. Corn Belt does not exactly sound like a bank that's too big to fail, does it? Uh, <laughs> and it wasn't. It was not. <laughs> it was, it was not. not. It was an early casualty of the recession, actually, uh, 2009. Yeah. You mentioned uh, O'Fallon and what people are thinking out there. We have a caller from O'Fallon who wants to uh, make a comment. Let's bring in Jerry. Jerry, you're on the air. Go ahead. Good afternoon. Yes, uh, I've lived out here since 2002. And uh, basically, I've often thought of, well, always thought of uh, Paul McGee as kind of a con man. We, uh, at one point, he made the statement, I believe, on your show when I called in years ago, that uh, this was like 95% developed, and there are still large areas of undeveloped land out here, and some that was just very recently developed. 
Uh, he had a development called sort of like our Main Street. I think he wanted to make it a miniature version of Newtown and made some promises to businesses, including the owners of Seamus McDaniels. We had a local grocery store that this was simply the first of like, you know, phase one of phase three. Nothing ever came through. And then he prematurely blamed all these failures on the recession, which actually didn't happen until after we had these these major uh, letdowns here. And, uh, I, you know, I know, as, as you as you mentioned, he kind of had his own custom made laws that gave him credit for Northside development, but excluded anyone who didn't buy pa- pro- packages of properties that were, you know, the specific size that the the uh, tax abatements were were uh, designed for. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 this is no surprise to me, basically. We'll, we'll, Thank you. We'll take your comment uh, on that, Jerry. Yeah, and to that point, Don, I, I think that many in St. Louis were really skeptical. Certainly oh. the residents in North St. Louis had so many questions and felt like the city was, was giving too much away, was giving mm. too many incentives, was putting too much faith in this one developer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the city now is saying not enough has been done, but there have been many, many moments along the way where they sort of re-upped with Paul McKee. Yeah. And, Rachel, and he is not, that is not the first person to call him a, a con man. A couple yeah. of residents that we spoke to, longtime Northside residents, um, have basically said the same thing. What are they saying now, now that this uh, situation has reached this point? Finally. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's pretty much just like we, we told you all along. And... I don't think they're relieved that the city is finally. Uh, at least one woman we spoke to was like, "I would have never, I would have rather never encountered Paul McKee than to reach this point in the negotiations mm-hmm. with and, the city." And another resident pointed out that he really felt that that the city's feet should be held to the fire. Mm-hmm. That yeah. in in many ways the city was more responsible than a private developer. If he's stymied by the city and stymied by the state, state, what what happens to the property that he owns? It sits there. I mean, he, this the, all this does is says that he does not have exclusive redevelopment rights up there. It means other developers would be able to come in and work within this 1,500-acre footprint. It basically sits um, – help me out here – kind of – East of Grand, north of Jefferson, um, it gets up into kind of Pruitt Igo, down sort of towards the river, but not across seventy. It covers a two square mile area, yeah. right? And, I and mean, stretches down across the Jefferson Interchange because he wanted to get the that specific area in there, the Jefferson Twenty Second Street Interchange on Interstate sixty four. He's still going to own the property. This just says that he doesn't have the exclusive development rights to it, so that the parcels he doesn't own can go to other people. But he owns a lot of the property up there, and right. he hasn't shown any willingness to work with other developers despite that being part of the requirement of the tax credits, of the land assemblage tax credits. And a lot of that property is in very bad shape too, isn't it? Yes, and yeah. that's been one of the complaints is that he has purchased these properties and then just let them rot, that he hasn't kept up with them, hasn't paid taxes. And actually, uh, that's kind of, I think, how it first um, – came out was a north side resident needed to replace a sewer lateral and was trying to contact the property owner on just the other side of her house and it turned out to be one of his various shell companies that he used to purchase the building so it couldn't be connected back to him. I'm going to bring in one more caller. Uh, Lawrence will join us from St. Louis. Lawrence, you're on the air. Go ahead. Okay, one way of looking at this as far as the uh, getting the government entity to build and he wants to take credit for that and his uh his supporters want to give him the credit for that when the city was assembling the final properties 
they were, uh, how do I describe this? It was practically Francis Slay and the city were on their hands and knees negotiating with a man who was in big business problems. They were still pussyfooting around with Mr. McKee. The way I see it, the city nearly lost the defense mapping agency or the geospatial agency to Illinois because they, at the last minute, they were still putting properties together. Yeah, Mars. I mean, it is true that the eminent domain was um, was threatened against Paul McKee because they couldn't seem to come to an agreement. Mm-hmm. He owned something like 300 parcels. He owned 60 percent of the parcels that right. were needed to assemble the amount of land needed for the um, city to, to right. build the site. And Lawrence is correct. He was in financial trouble. There was a Titanfish too had owned a lot of his debt. And with that debt mm-hmm. came collateral of 400 and something parcels. Mm-hmm. And they had control of that. And the city yeah. bought Titanfish 2 out yeah. for $7 million. But of course, the prospect of NGA coming in was just such an enticing prospect. Exactly. Keeping city. NGA. And keeping 3,000 jobs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our own Ryan Delaney um, has a connection between NGA and uh, the story that he's been covering. We'll bring him in following a break. Is there anything you ladies would like to add to this story that we need to know? The Decla- story's not over. No, gosh, no. <laughs> I mean, declaring him in default is the start. He's going to litigate this. And we've had a lot of people say this is just going to keep getting tied up in courts, tied up in courts, tied up in courts. And the big thing that no one from the city seems to want to answer and that no one can figure out right now is, okay, why now? Mm-hmm. It's not like this is new. It's not like he was building something, building something, and then stopped making progress. He really hasn't done much, and he's just kept trying to acquire land in an effort to try and do more. He included the Bottle District, which is where that best bottle is uh, north of downtown at like 70 in the landing. He brought that in because he thought he could get something started. So it's nothing new. Why now? Okay. Well, we'll look to the courts for the next steps probably, right? Absolutely. Okay. Rachel Lipman and Maria Altman, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. 